For those of you who've been looking for Season 1 of Solarpunk Presence, but haven't been able to find it, here it is. Originally, it was published as part of Solarpunk Magazine's Solarpunk Futures podcast. We're reposting our episodes on our site to make them easier for you to listen to if you didn't catch them the first time. We hope you enjoy them. Also, don't forget to support us by spreading the word about Solarpunk Presence, writing us a review, or subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash solarpunkpresence. Welcome to Solarpunk Presence, the companion podcast to Solarpunk Futures. Hosted by Solarpunk Magazine nonfiction editors extraordinaire Ariel Kroon and Christina Della Rocha. Ariel and I will be using this companion podcast to Solarpunk Futures to explore Solarpunk goings on in the world today. We'll be interviewing all sorts of interesting people who are doing work in the here and now that will help us get to a Solarpunk future. And we'll be talking to each other about the visions of a sustainable, equitable future integral to solarpunk, and about issues we're curious about within the movement or genre, or whatever it is you want to call solarpunk. Hello, and welcome to episode six, which will be hosted by Ariel Kroon. Today, I'm talking to Justine Norton Kurtzen, who is the co-editor-in-chief and founder of Solarpunk Magazine, and I'll be talking to them today about their upcoming book, Bioluminescent, a lunar punk anthology. Okay, so Justine, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, I'm excited to sit down and talk. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm very keen to do this interview about your upcoming book, Bioluminescent, a lunar punk anthology. Since I'm actually not super familiar with lunar punk, I don't know that it's something most people know about, even if they're into more solar punk literature. I know of it as the yin to solar punk's yang, but beyond some very beautiful artworks and really neat fashion ensembles that I've seen, I haven't really encountered very much of lunar punk, so I'm really stoked for you to elaborate on that for me today and for our listeners. Great. Yeah. So you're publishing a lunar punk anthology, and I do want to talk to you about the nitty gritty details of that in a bit, if you can share. But first... Could you describe to me in your own words what lunar punk is? Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will try. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm hesitant just because it's such a new genre that, I mean, it's part of the point of the anthology, at least from my perspective, is to sort of like as a, as a, science fiction you know punk subgenre community kind of figure out what it is it's been out there for a number of years it's not like brand brand new um i would but i would say less than a decade uh and and it's essentially i mean up until this point it's basically been there's a few spots on the internet i think there's a spot called there's like a lunar punk anarchist site and maybe like I think the solar punk druid site has some stuff on lunar punk, right? So there's some of these folks who have like started staking out mostly aesthetic territory for lunar punk, right? Like instead of 
you know, reds and yellows and oranges and greens like solar punk. It's blacks and silvers and purples and, you know, glowy neon type colors. And it's more gothic than solar work. Solar punk is sort of more art nouveau or even sometimes kind of more like on the green brutalist mm, spectrum. So that's and then and then it's it's essentially kind of been defined loosely as as like a subgenre of solar punk that is somewhat of an opposite right it's but but that's very like a very loose concept right like is it solar punk at night or solar punk on the moon or is it uh the more sort of spiritual side of solar punk uh or or what right and so um the anthology through the stories sort of addresses that Oh, cool. But without actually making an answer either, right? <laughs> I mean, there are stories that sort of come from all of them. There, there are stories that take place in outer space and on space stations. And there, are, and there are stories that take place in glowy forests and are all about like pagan future communities and stuff like that. Like it kind of bring, brings it all in. So it doesn't answer the question, but it, it furthers the conversation maybe. Yeah, for an evolving genre, it sounds like this is really sort of the perfect, well, not starting point, but as you said, contribution to the conversation that's furthering those ideas. And I, mm -hmm. I'm very excited to see where it goes with that. Yeah, yeah, me too. One thing I would say before we move on to another question, though, yeah. about in terms of the definition, though, is that it's lunar punk is definitely related to solar punk and is def and is a subgenre and has sort of always been thought of that way. And so, um, I mean, I still think of like the core root of a lunar punk story being similar to that of solar punk, right? Being about solutions and and building a utopia, and in particular, solving climate crisis and then exploring what the future looks like once that problem has been solved oh excellent yeah i was just actually about to ask you that like does lunar punk reflect the sort of ideology of solar punk and what can we see in common between the two is there anything mm -hmm. that's extremely disparate between the two as you said it's an evolving genre and so i don't expect you to have like a, mm -hmm. a, a straightforward hard and solid line that you're drawing between sure but um, that's just sort of something that's coalescing right now is I get that feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I mean, there's definitely that similarity. Um, there's definitely a difference in the two in, in the aesthetic, like I was mm -hmm. talking about, um, right. Sort of the darker Gothic type aesthetic of lunar punk versus the more sort of, uh, I don't know, bright aesthetic of, of solar punk. Um, yeah, other than that, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot to say. I mean, as as lunar punk and as solar punk continues to develop as as genres, there might be more differences that emerge. Um, I know within the whole really weird, awkward, gung-ho pro NF, not gun-ho, but like gung-ho uh. pro NFT side of the whole solar punk world, uh -huh. which is really difficult to understand in the first place. But um, there's this whole, I, I ran into this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, this whole like strain of NFT crypto lunar punk that is developing in response to the solar punk NFT crypto oh, weirdness that's going on. And, and they're like- Oh, interesting. You know, it is, and it is interesting to watch even though 
I mean, it's all problematic in terms of environmental impact in term with blockchain and, and NFTs and all of that. But yeah. um, it's interesting, but, yeah. Like as as an outsider observer to sort of like see the burgeoning of these new genres in in different, very different places. And the sort of taking up of this aesthetic by very different people with very different ideologies, um, yep. which is interesting to me because, yeah, I think solar punk has a little bit more of a definitive ideology at this point, even though it's still quite sure. new, uh, and politics that go along with it. Whereas lunar punk is still very, um, I mean, it is still starting with that aesthetic, and we can extrapolate from that aesthetic. I certainly have, um, but sure. I'm excited to read this uh anthology that will sort of give me more of a an idea of how other people are thinking about what to extrapolate from this aesthetic <laughs> yeah so i wanted to ask you actually um and this might be a bit in the same vein but uh what prompted you to put together a lunar punk anthology because you are the co-editor-in-chief and founder of solar punk magazine so it seems a bit of a contrast you're the solar <laughs> punk person so <laughs> right yeah, and I, uh, I actually started by um, beginning the process of putting together a uh, a solar punk anthology, uh, and I've, I've got a co-editor who I've been working on that with. Um, it started out being called Solar Punk Sunscapes. I, I'm not sure that that's what the title is going to end up being, uh, but that uh, that solar punk anthology got picked up by a larger press. Um, I don't think I'm at Liberty to, to give the details at this point. Um, but that, that sort of stretched the timeline for that anthology out. Um, cause like the, a lot of times, even with small presses, it can be a year, two years, three years from the time that you like assign a contract till when your book actually comes out. Um, and so, when it was just going to probably be done independently, it was going to come out in 2023. Mm. Um, now it's not going to be till 2024, probably. Um, I, I was a little bit bummed that the timeline for that got stretched out, but it is what it is. Um, and then sort of around the same time, I was really kind of digging into what had been written so far about Lunar Punk uh, and, and thought, well, you know, hey, I am doing... I'm doing a solar punk anthology. Why not do the flip side also and put together a lunar punk anthology? So, and then it just, you know, turns out that this one will, the lunar punk one will come out first. But actually, what sort of stories then could a reader expect to encounter in this lunar punk anthology? Could you give us a little bit of a sneak peek? Yeah, sure. So, <laughs> uh, without going uh, into like detail about any of the stories, um, it's a it's a good mix, I think, of science fiction and fantasy, and then sort of stories that kind of blend the two in, in like a science fantasy. So it's sort of diverse in that sense. Uh, and then, like I was mentioning earlier, the the, the stories sort of um, take a number of different angles at defining or elucidating the meaning of lunar punk through the stories. Um, so there's a couple stories that take place in, in space, one on a space station, and I think one on a ship, actually. Um, and then there are a few stories that um, take place in like future kind of 
I don't know that they're, you would call them spiritual communities. They're communities that have like a spiritual focus among other things and generally pagan-ish. Yeah. I mean, right. I mean, there's sort of an assumption among the authors who are, who are writing these stories that because solar punk and thus lunar punk is so sort of wrapped up in like the idea of creating harmony between humanity and nature. And that's very much in line with kind of the central, um, one of the, at least the central themes of Wicca and like modern witchcraft. And so the, the those stories uh, that, that kind of look at the spiritual side of future solar punk communities generally sort of take that kind of pagan witchcraft path. Um, let's see what else. Um, that there are, uh, you know, and then there are a number of stories that um, just sort of are a little bit more like what you would expect out of a solar punk story, but then just with a, a, a different aesthetic layover onto it. Um, so it's, it's a good, it's a good variation, but then also there's, um, I mean, we've got some, some pretty nice, um, big names too with the anthology. So we've got a, a story by Serena Ulibari, who is well known within the solar punk community and has, has put out a number of anthologies. Um, Wendy Wagner, who is the editor in chief of Nightmare Magazine, um, which is really cool. And um, she has a interesting sort of dark noir, very light horror take on. Uh, the idea of lunar punk. Um, it's not like gory or, you know, there's no like, um, you know, big murder scenes or any, any, anything that you would expect out of horror, but it's very much has like a horror kind of vibe to it, which is interesting. And then we've got a novelette in the book um, that is about 10, 11,000 words. That's one of the, the stories that looks at more kind of like the spiritual side of solar punk um and that's written by starhawk and then we have a story by neil gaiman too which oh, wow. um is yeah we were we were really lucky to get um and that that story will actually kind of front end the book as um it doesn't necessarily hold the like the aesthetic that generally people are going for with lunar punk mm-hmm. um and it was written years ago. It's a it's a a reprint of a story that he published some time ago, but that I you know I suspect a lot of people haven't read. And but it's a it's a fantasy story um, that basically personifies non human characters. And so it's it's uh it's I I felt that because I had the story and was kind of like trying to figure out what to do with it, and I really felt that it would go well at the beginning of the book even though it's a little bit different in in terms of the lunar punk itself just because it sort of sets the stage for the book as something that's a little bit more on the fantasy and fantastic side right because people who come to solar punk generally are expecting more of a science fiction story uh and and this while that's certainly there um it it very quickly becomes obvious that the stories venture um, some of them pretty deeply into the realm of fantasy. And so um, I felt like the Neil Gaiman story one would hope, you know, maybe give the book a little, a little push um, for one, but then also really sort of help set that framework up of um, sort of science fantasy, as opposed to just science fiction. 
I was going to ask you, how do you, how did you find authors? Like, did you, um, was it difficult to find writers of lunar punk stories or were you overwhelmed with submissions? Did you solicit people? What was kind of the, if I could ask, what was kind of the submissions process like? It was a combination of the two. Um, We did a public submission window uh, and did get a lot of stories. I mean, probably not a lot of stories compared to like what some magazines get, especially like sort of generalist science fiction magazines. Um, You know, some of the the more popular ones get like hundreds, thousands of submissions, you know, per month or per quarter or whatever. Um, But we did get a good couple hundred submissions, which is good for such a niche project, you know, because authors don't just have like any old story they could necessarily just throw at it or submit to it. So it was, it was, it was a lot to read through. Um, And there were a lot, you know, as always, a lot of good stories that, that easily could have made it in, but just didn't make it because, you know, something had to be cut. But then we also did um, solicit uh, a few stories, mostly those three, three bigger names that I, that I I mentioned, Neil Gaiman and Serena Udivari and Wendy Wagner. Uh, But then there were one or two other stories. Maybe it's just one. Uh, There's a story in there by an author named Bright Flame um, that I I spoke with her ahead of time and asked her to write one. And then, oh, uh, the, the Starhawk one too was, was solicited. That story actually Starhawk wrote for the Lunar Punk. Uh, issue that solar punk magazine is doing but she um it was it was she sent it to me and i wasn't expecting it i knew she was writing a story but i it it had like enough time had passed that i i I wasn't expecting it to come and we had already gone through the submission process and sort of rounded out the issue on top of that it came in and it was like four or five thousand words longer than Mm -hmm. what solar punk magazine publishes so we decided that it was just a great coincidence that the anthology was going to be publishing soon after. So we just put the story in that instead. Yeah, I was going to ask, actually, what, what is the pub date for this anthology? Um, so it publishes, it's not, not too far away, actually, January 24th uh, of, of this next year, 2023. Wow, that's yeah, It's coming right around the corner. <laughs> I'm a- actually, we'll be starting to send... Uh, the first arcs out this week. Hello, the producer here, interrupting with a very important public service announcement. For those of you who are sitting here thinking arcs, send out the first arcs this week. What Justine means is advanced reader copies. <laughs> I'm a- actually will be starting to send uh, the first arcs out this week. So that's exciting. Yeah, I was going to ask that if you're able, could you pull the curtain back a bit on the development process sort of as it stands right now? But if you're sending out arcs, my goodness, um, does that yeah. have to be done then? Or? Mostly, yeah. Um, it still needs a final proofread, which generally advanced reader copies go out before that right. final proofread happens. And, but, but that, I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the layout's done, the cover art's done. It's, it's pretty much just a matter of getting the advanced copies out so that we can get reviews coming in ahead of the release date. Oh, wow. That's really exciting. Remind me who's the the press that's publishing it. 
Yeah, it's it's Android Press, uh, which is the the same same publisher that puts out Solarpunk magazine. Uh, where can our listeners find out more about uh, this upcoming anthology, Bioluminescent, or about Android Press uh, if they're interested? Yeah, our website is um, android-press.com or hyphen, um, android-com. How, uh, some people say it differently, dash or hyphen. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, you can just go there, um, there is a, a video right at the front of the homepage about the anthology um, with a link to the Kickstarter, um, which actually starts... Well, I don't know when this is coming out. So maybe by the time people are hearing this, it won't be tomorrow. But from this perspective, it starts tomorrow, October 4th. Uh, and so, we're, so yeah, that's that's really excited, um, which is essentially the, the beginning of, the, of pre-orders. Wow. Pre-orders with perks, yeah. <laughs> with perks. I am going to ask you about, or well, I was going to ask about those perks, but our people just going to have to go find out or no no yeah that's fine i can we can we can talk about it um so obviously the book um you can get either uh ebook copies or or print copies of the book uh and then there are let's see so there's um some like clothing uh lunar punk related type stuff a shirt that has the cover art for the book on it um, and then a hat that has like a, a like a crescent moon, and then says lunar punk that is embroidered into the front of it. Um, and then let's see, we've got like a book bag that includes that book, and then digital copies of the other books that Android Press has has published so far, um, which is is two additional books. And then there is a uh, like a story critique package for for people who are authors. Authors generally are also readers, and so you know for any any authors who are um, looking to get the book through the Kickstarter, um, there's a, there's an option to also get a short story critique um, of one of their own stories, uh, and, and th- basically things like that. Yeah. Wow, that's really exciting. Have yeah, it'll be, it's going to be fun. So on this podcast, we ask our guests often about what kind of solar punk future that they specifically would like to see or build towards. Mm-hmm. But let's twist that a bit. Uh, I want sure. to ask you, what kind of lunar punk future would uh, you like to see or come to pass? Wow, that's a new one. That's a fun question. I see a future where, you know, I mean, we all learn, I hope that maybe not all of us, I'm sure some of us have parents with more questionable parenting methods, but most of us at least probably learn from our parents when we're growing up that sharing is a good thing and that it's important to share with people. And it seems like such a basic concept um, that feels like it is lost in our society when we i don't know hit puberty or become adults or whatever we enter the world and we start working and and paying bills and all of a sudden sharing is not it's not a a good thing anymore right i mean like and and it's it's not us i don't i don't mean to put it on like on individual people's shoulders it's the system and it's it's capitalism specifically that sort of in instills this idea into us that there's 
there's not enough. There's, there's just one pie and we've all got to get our slice of it. Um, and you don't want to, can't let anybody else have your slice because it's all you're probably going to get. That scarcity mindset. Yeah, exactly. And so that sort of like post scarcity reality, I think is an important couple, both of solar punk and, and lunar punk and just the, the, uh, a society that, um, really is based on the idea that we we share with each other, which too I think is maybe just sort of a mild way of of saying socialism in a sense, right? I mean, just that nobody's going to go hungry, and you know the whole like each according to their need and from their ability kind of thing, right? Um, that regardless of how much you're putting into the system, because there's more than enough for everyone, right. if not other reasons as well you know, nobody should ever be homeless or, or not be able to, to get a meal for them or for their kids or, um, you know, not go have to go without medical attention or any of these things that just seem so basic and obvious to some of us, but for some reason, not, not all of us, but then more specifically on the lunar punk side, I'm, 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 interested in well a couple things one i'm really interested in the the possibility of just sort of bioluminescent technology as and like glowing plants as a like a future possibility for um lighting our homes and our communities in ways that don't necessarily use electricity because i mean even if all of our electricity is being produced in a healthy green environmentally Mm -hmm. conscious way you know that doesn't mean that there will necessarily be unlimited amounts of it Um, and, and and so finding finding ways that are interesting and cool and really pretty like that, um, that really add character to a place that we can also use in a very functional and practical way, I think is really interesting. And, and is a direction that the whole genetic modification thing, I think could go. And then, I, well, I think that we need to be certainly wary about that. And, and I, I'm one of the people who is like wary of genetic modification of food and things like that mostly because I, I, I get um, anxious about, you know, like they build pesticides into vegetables and stuff like into the, like the genetic structure of vegetables. The producer here breaking in again to say that what Justine is talking about are so-called BT potatoes, BT maize, and BT sweet corn. These genetically modified crops contain genes from the bacterium Bacillus thuringiensis, which produces a protein that is lethal to the larvae of butterflies and moths. This protein is called the Bt delta endotoxin, and it works against caterpillars of the European corn borer, which bores its way into maize plants, causing incredible destruction and reductions in crop yields. And now back to Ariel and Justine's conversation. You know, like they build pesticides into vegetables and stuff like into the like the genetic structure of vegetables right I mean like I don't necessarily have a problem with genetic modification in and of itself but then like you do something like that and then you know I feel like that's maybe even and I'm not a scientist so maybe it's not but like like it's potentially worse even than like spraying pesticides on vegetables because at least I can wash the vegetable if it's been sprayed with something but if like this this 
what amounts to a poison is built into the genetic makeup of the vegetable so that if a, a bug eats it, the bug dies, then, you know, how do I wash the genetics off of the vegetable when I want to eat it? Um, this is sort of like another avenue that doesn't necessarily screw with our food, but that, and, and not to mention that there are just sort of like plants that have that, that capability out there already. Um, plants yeah. and plants. And that sort of that. biomimicry, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Taking some. Um, and then also I'm interested in the kind of spiritual side, you know, like I would, I think, I mean, I'm a, I'm an atheist and I, I don't, believe in God. So I think it strikes people as a little odd, but there's a whole strain of paganism and witchcraft um, that is, is atheist and, and non-believer that, that sort of looks at it more from, and looks at spirituality in general, more from as, as sort of like a personal growth and like community building kind of thing. I don't want to say self-help because that's just so cheeky, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but like, mean, you know, a way to connect to people and build meaningful relationships in a way that goes deeper than just what we can necessarily explain. Right. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't rely on belief in things that can't be scientifically yeah. explained. Right? I think it's, it's been you um, know, pretty, pretty obviously demonstrated that spirituality is very important to some people and ritual mm -hmm. and togetherness is also extremely important to human beings in general. And so um, yeah. that is very interesting. As a way yeah. And I think churches and, and religions in general, not just churches, because um, you know, they're, that, that's that's specific to Christianity, but um, religious groups and spiritual groups, they they throughout time, I guess, have seemed to have like figured out somehow a way of like bringing together people in a way that is is really deep and meaningful to them. And and they've and it's something that like other other groups and like other attempts at forming group cohesion like like civic groups and things like that just quite haven't figured out right like people are dedicated to their churches right and uh, and and a lot of it probably has to do with the the belief and the faith aspect but i would love i mean just in terms of like the what better communities and better futures and and what a, a lunar punk future might look like this idea of a way for people to have those deep, meaningful connections, regardless of whether they are religious or not, or believe in God, I think is, is really important. Um, right. I mean, if you're going to have a community that, or a society that, that you would call utopia, um, then it seems like those sort of really strong community bonds and interpersonal bonds would be there and be important. Yeah, I think that's that's important. And that's, you know, spirituality, solar punk spirituality. I mean, I think it naturally feels like it slides naturally into lunar punk, uh, at least for me, in terms of the way that the aesthetic is sort of set up. Um, it seems that that is where a lot of these sort of more spiritual signifiers that we're familiar with, like the moon and and um, all these different objects of significance are represented that's really really i think crucial to to think about not just for like a genre of fiction but also an ideology as well 
So thank you so much for yeah. sitting down and talking with me. And I'm really looking forward to seeing Bioluminescent on digital shelves. <laughs> yeah. So where can our listeners find you online, Justine? Yeah, I mostly am on Twitter um, and at Jank, J-A-N-K writes, Jank, uh, mm-hmm. W-R-I-T-E-S, um, Jank writes. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on Instagram too with the same handle, you, so you can find me there, but I, I'm not on Instagram a, a whole lot. Uh, and, and same with TikTok. I'm, I'm there some and I, I do videos every once in a while, but I'm not. I'm, generally, if I'm on social media, it's it's Twitter. So Okay, awesome. Well, yeah. thank you very, very much for all your amazing answers. And I'm really looking forward to reading Bioluminescent, a Lunar Punk anthology uh, this January. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was fun. And that brings us to the end of episode number six. Thank you for listening to Solarpunk Presence, a series embedded within the Solarpunk Futures podcast, written, hosted, and produced by Christina Della Rocha and Ariel Kroon. This podcast is a part of Solarpunk Magazine, which is published by Android Press, which is located on Kalapuya Ulihi, the traditional indigenous homeland of the Kalapuya people. Today, descendants are citizens of the Confederated Tribes of Grand Ronde Community of Oregon, and the Confederated Tribes of the Silets Indians of Oregon. The opening and closing music for Solar Punk Presence is Water Cooler Gang by Monkey Warhol and is available for use under the Creative Commons Attribution 4.0 International License. So, thank you again for listening, and until the next episode, stay Solar Punk.